0: Lord, thank you that we can look to you and worship you. What a privilege, Lord! We worship you, Lord. Mm, so precious. Thank you, Lord, that in your in your word you reveal you reveal these nuggets of your character, Lord, of who you are, how good you are, Lord. wonder if we could spend some time around that. Right where you are, you can make yourself comfortable. You can go back to your seat if you want to, or you can just hang where you are. You sit down, get comfortable. I've asked, I've asked some of the, of the elders and wives to just, to just share a little bit, a little bit on like one aspect, one character of the Lord.
1: I um, was listening to a song today, and it it, um, it went like like this: "God, how can I contain you if you contain everything? What a beautiful picture! Like we." Uh, i don't know if I'm sure all of you feel this, but you can feel him filling us and softening us and um, and the, if you know him for a while you get to understand and of who he is because well, it's a mystery we don 't know who he's serving really. We start by faith and then we we start walking this road and you start realizing who God is because over a long time he's faithful and over a long time he is um, all these different character traits. And um, it's a bit like saying, What's your favorite character trait of your wife? You, you sort of, you, there's a few. <laughs> um, so I just want to tell two quick stories just to demonstrate uh, if you could put that scripture up for me. Um, just some of God's mystery, how He loves to give us good things. But he's poetic. He does it over a long period. He plans it and he puts it together and he decides the perfect time to do it. And, and then when you see it happen, you go, God, you're amazing. How you've, you've, you've planned this before I even asked. So who have you ever prayed a... not prayed a prayer because you thought it's either ob can't ask God for that, or you just have a thought in your heart and... Um, and it's not even a prayer, it's just a thought. And then one day he answers, he gives you something, and you go, but I just thought that. I didn't even ask you for it. That's something of his character. That he's just like a really good dad. Um, so 1 Chronicles 28. For the Lord searches every heart and understands every motive behind the thoughts. If you seek him, you'll be found by you. That's not really my... uh, It's actually the other scripture. I'm trying to squeeze two scriptures in. I'm only allowed one. (laughs) Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and then it carries on. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. You're familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely. So he knows our thoughts. He knows our desires. He knows our hearts. And um, in the week, we had a meal somewhere, and I've been married to Tanya. Most of you know Tanya, and she made the salad. And as I saw the salad, God reminded me, "Remember, you wanted that in a wife when you didn't have a wife." And and it was, (laughs) it was a, it wasn't even a. I mean, I had my little list for all those single guys and girls. I had my little list of God. She must, she must be an artist. She must see things with an artist checking my time with an artist's point of view. She must be creative in all things. And she made this salad, and the salad had basil and upper leafies and whole grenadillas and feta cheese and pumpkin seeds and mango. And I looked at it and I thought, "This thing's beautiful. It looks amazing. And it was just in my heart, I realized. God, I actually sort of in a thought asked you without even praying it, God, this, my wife must be exceptional with salads. I think now I need it because now I need to eat salads because I'm at that point. <laughs> One story, just a thought. Other story. Um, we live in a really small house in Malpos. We love the little house, and I can see the sea, and I love the sea. So I see the sunrise and I see the sunset and uh, there's an open plot in front of us and then a developer buys it and he goes we're gonna build a five-story block of flats and I'm gonna go as high and as wide as I can and we settled it in our hearts that we're gonna lose it we're gonna look at a wall but when I saw the plans I saw five stories of toilet windows looking down onto our little spot and um, and I realized we're not going to even have sun like after two in the afternoon. It's just going to be like a squash court going up with toilet windows. And, uh, we, and I settled it and it was fine. And then Tanya and I were speaking and then one day we said, wouldn't it be amazing? And as I said it, I went, she said, I can't ask for this. And then she said something similar. She said, would well, be amazing if there's a little park in front of us. She would ask God for a park. And I went, oh, I don't have faith for that one because it's a developer and it's real and it's and um and then a little while later we prayed and before i knew it this thing came out of my mouth god presumptuous make this into a little park and then i forgot about it and they were going to start building in march this year and two weeks before it happened this guy in a lamborghini arrived and he said oh his bitcoin number plate lamborghini four by four and he said, I just want to meet all the people in the street because I've just bought this house and I didn't realize there's a block of flats going up and I'm not happy with that. And we've been in Malpos our whole life and we don't want a block of flats. So would you mind if I sue the city of Cape Town? <laughs> I just want to know that you're on board with my, what, what I'm planning to do. I don't want to do something behind your back. Um, and just to let you know, money is not an issue. It's like I've just sold my business. I don't know what to do with my money so I just want to sue them so they can stall this thing and then, and then I can buy the land from the developer because at the moment the developer's got no, he's got no incentive to sell and, uh, and then a month later I get this message going oh I bought it and we're just going to turn it into a little garden for my mum that's retired and the grandkids can play in the garden and I go God I didn't know I could ask for those things it's just about me it's just such a me thing because it's, surely it's about people and your kingdom. And, and um, what a good dad that we can ask him for the small things and for the big things, the things we want and need and just desires. So hopefully your faith gets built and go, God, I can ask you for anything. Quick little display of who he is, who he serve.
2: the back of that story. I don't know why I'm feeling teary, but the Lord is kind and long-suffering, and He wants to heal us from our pains and from our broken hearts, and the the, um, the script I got was Gideon. We did Gideon last week, so hopefully you know You'll remember the story. But when Shark and I were going through it, the thing, there was a, a piece that struck out for me. Quick recap the story goes Gideon's threshing in a wine press, hiding. An angel comes to him and he says, Oh, mighty warrior. And Gideon goes, What? <laughs> and he says, you're going to save Israel. And he goes, God has deserted us. So he'd given up all hope. And then the, minute, the angel, and it's actually the angel of the Lord. It's the Lord ministering to him. And he says, I want you, I'm going to, you are going to save Israel. You. I am, and you are. And then Gideon somehow goes back and he says, but I'm the weakest of the weakest of the weak. I'm nobody it says, I will, I, the I am, I am sending you, which means that it doesn't matter about you, it matters about me, and he doesn't leave Gideon there, because Gideon does obey me. and the, the, that very night, it says, the Lord says to him, I want you to go break down your father's Baal altar, and Gideon, in his, you see fear in him throughout this whole story, because he takes 10 servants to do it. He doesn't go alone. He's not brave. He he takes 10 with him. I mean, to break down an altar. And, and then he, the Lord, he does it, but he does it, you see. And then the Lord says, I want you to go and, you know, to the army. And he's got 32,000 men, which for a a weak man I'd feel pretty safe I'd be yes 32,000 men we're going to get this you know and we know that the Lord dwindles at the hunt 300 and I'm I'm almost positive that one of the reasons why is because you wanted Gideon to overcome his fear and then the night before the battle Gideon the Lord comes and visits Gideon and he says if you are still afraid go down to the enemy camp and hear what they're saying so he doesn't say go, he says if. If you're still afraid. In other words, after all that you've done, you've been faithful. After all, in other words, you've, you've led people, you've responded, you have, you have heard me, in other, you know, this is us. <laughs> if you're still afraid, go down. And he goes down and he hears that they, one had an, a dream, another one says, well, it's Gideon and the Lord that are gonna come and annihilate us, basically. And it says Gideon at that moment bowed down and worshiped God. And it was almost as if the Lord had been so long suffering with him and so patient and kind that even before the greatest battle that Gideon was going to into, the Lord ministers to Gideon's heart to give him courage. And at that place, he bows down and worships God. It's almost like before that, it doesn't say he bowed down and worshiped God before. So after living a life of choice and, and obedience and all these things that are good and positive, when the Lord ministered to him, he was able to bow down and go, I surrender. And you know, it says he put his, in his one hand he had a jar and in the other hand he had a light. He didn't even have a sword holding in his hand when he went to battle. That is how much the Lord had ministered to his heart to give him courage. And I think for me, the, the attribute of God is he's kind enough to lead us to a place we will have no fear. And he'll minister to us so that we can have courage to overcome what God has asked us to overcome.
3: So if you can get for me um, Acts 4, verse 5 we can read it. If you've got an ESV version, that will be great. That's NIV, okay. So the next day, the rulers, the elders, and teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Just to hold on, context. Disciples are out, they're doing miracles, and a man's been healed. So the rulers and the authorities are mad as heck, okay? They met in Jerusalem, With Annas the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and all who were of a high priestly family. You know when you saw the movie, Happy Feet? And all those elders were standing up, looking down on the joy of happy feet. That's what this reminds me of. The lure and the looks. Next one. And when they had set them in their midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders... Just keep it rolling. Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, if we've been examined because there's been a healing, by what means this man has been healed? Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead... By him, this man is standing before you well. This Jesus, and this is what I'm getting to, is the stone that was rejected by you. By you, the builders, which has become Jesus, has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and they perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. And Jacques asked us to share a quality of Christ that made us love him more, that made us want to be more like him. And I mean, as Nikki said, you know, there's the concordance. But for me, it has to be this capstone. I've walked through many things in my life and in each of those situations, My emotions have gone up. My value systems have gone down. My friendship circles have been questionable. The things that I've given myself have been not always recognized as being that of God. And over the last whatever many years, and none of us are perfect, but in Him we are, God has taken me back to this, but I'm your capstone. I'm your cornerstone. And what is a cornerstone? From ancient days, if there are any builders or engineers or architects here, they'll tell you, there was no mortar used when they put buildings together. It was f- stones that were fashioned to fit in. So when God talks about living stones coming together, it's co- as the building went up, each stone was perfectly fashioned and marked to go to the site to be built and put in place. But the cornerstone was never marked. The cornerstone was always taken as a beautiful square stone. And that stone was the first stone that got put in place. And interestingly enough, when that happened, they had celebrations. And interestingly enough, they shed blood when that first stone was put in place. And after that, it set the trajectory for every other wall, every other part of that building to be put up. And that became the reference point. So in my life, when I go, God, what am I meant to do here? What is this? What is going on? He says, look to me, for I have set everything in place. I know the thoughts I have for you. I know these things. Look to see what the cornerstone is. Look to see in the word, what are you saying to me? And honestly, that sense of security and knowing that he's got me. With Michelle, with what you're going through with your mom, I keep on saying to you, he's got her. He's got her. He knows every hair on my head. He knows the days I have on this earth. Why worry? Why give concern to when we serve a man who is God, shed his blood, became our capstone? You know that if you took that, even once the building was up, if you took that cornerstone out, that building would fall. It would fall. Why? Because it's held together with the cornerstone. We are held together by Jesus. And if you scope your life, I always say to the young people, scope your life. Okay, I'm going to make this decision. I'm going to do it. Where do you see yourself? How does that feel? Well, now I'm, I've moved, you know, one degree. i have just one little degree away from what God wants for me. Well, scope that. That ends up a very long way down the line. And my mother had a beautiful expression. She always used to say, when people fell or guys got involved in sin, she always used to say, now they'll come back to the Lord. But what baggage will they bring with them? What baggage will you bring which is unintentional? Choose the ways that God has put in through Christ, through our cornerstone, and it will go well with your life. Thank
4: you. It's just wonderful hearing the tributes and the characters. God that was shared tonight, and one of the other character elements of Jesus that I want to share is humility. Humility. We know Jesus came into this earth. He came humbly. He didn't come to be served. He came to serve. He took the load road. He didn't come at this autocratic king lording it over but he was low humble such a beautiful attribute that we can that we can ponder on today and even the death on the cross the powerful cross just incredible when he he just embraced the cross he he didn't shy down from what The Lord is calling him to. He He said, Father, take this cup from me. But even in his humility, he said, but not my will. But your will be done. Your will be done. And again, when he was on that cross, being brutally murdered, being brutally abused, torn, and crucified, even then, he came with this humble way, it says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. What of a beautiful, beautiful Lord that we serve. And uh, I want to just read a scripture that links into what I've just shared. And that's Philippians 5. We won't put it up, but I'll just read it. It says, In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant. Being in the human likeness. The Father will remind us as we consider this wonderful character of Jesus, this humility of Jesus, and He reminds us in His Word that, and He commands us, He said, we need to walk in humility. Don't think more highly than yourself than, than you ought. Because God reminds us that He will resist the proud. And He'll give grace to the humble. Such a beautiful character of God, isn't it? The thing of humility. And what a call for all of us just to walk in humility. Amen.
0: As, as these, these words go out, I hope that at least some of them hit home. It's part of His nature. He's, and I'm sure you've heard them before. Sarah, can you come up with that word you had as well, please? I'm sure you've you've heard these. None of them are new. Maybe the Spirit is highlighting something to you. It's very seldom that you read like a new revelation. It's normally the same revelation, but the Spirit is on it. He's alive and He's revealing something specific to you.
5: I think for me, the thing that um, really stands out about the character of Jesus is His compassion for and His understanding of what we're going through. And I just think of the scripture where um, he sees the widow who's just lost her son, and it says he's moved with compassion. And um, Jesus, being fully man, he, um, he understands he was tempted in the same way we are tempted, and he understands our temptations, and he understands our pain, and he understands when we're grieving. But at the same time, he's fully God. And being fully God, he is the Lion of Judah that roars. And um, in Revelation, it talks about him having fire in his eyes. Um, Yeah, and he's almighty. And it talks about him having fire in his eyes and crowns on his head. So he is the king of all.
6: He said, "I think maybe we should turn to that scripture, Philippians 2, verse 5 to 11. It's just good to see it. Uh, I think he really touched on something there that's that's very relevant in our church, in our congregation. It says this: Have this mind amongst yourselves, which is yours in Christ, who though he was in the form of God." Did not count it equality with God. Did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man. Being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God our Father. There's so much that we can say here. I'm just going to pick one line. I think right here, Jesus is dealing with entitlement if there was ever somebody that can say that could say I don't do wooden crosses it was him if there ever was somebody who could say I don't do poverty staying in the dust in, 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 or, or being born in a little crib in Bethlehem it was him if there ever was one who said I, I don't need to stay in Nazareth where I come from we don't stay like that it was him he came out of the ivory palaces into this world of woe and it was only his great redeeming love that made my saviour go Jesus shows us that we are actually entitled to nothing often we'd say no, no, that's beneath me I don't do that I'm called to serve, but I don't do that because I don't, I'm just above that. And Jesus says, no, no, there's nothing. There's nothing that I cannot do and shouldn't do because because when I'm humble, obedience just flows out of me. And you might say that it's easy for Jesus to, to submit to this because he's fully God, but it actually says here in verse eight, and being found in the form and we find in human form it was the human part of him that he humbled himself and became obedient so I'm going to ask you this could it be that you're not an elder yet or that you're not a deacon yet or that you're not a home group leader yet or on the worship team because of the problem of entitlement in your life. Could it be that you claim that you that you just assume too many things for yourself and that you, you just see yourself as higher than others, and there's no humility, and therefore the Father can't use you. Because of Jesus' humility, because of his obedience, it says, therefore, God highly exalted him. Because when there's humility and when there's obedience, the chances that you will take the glory for what God does through you is small. It says here, Therefore, God gave, highly exalted him and bestowed upon him the name that is above every name. Because God knew that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, and in heaven and on earth. And because of that, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God. Maybe God is just holding you back so that when He does something through you, the moment you you align with humbleness and and obedience, that whatever is going to happen in and through you will be glory to God and not to yourself.
0: And I could have probably asked any one of you to bring more. Because there's so much more. Can you guys feel your pulse? Can you do this? If you don't feel one, let's phone ER. You feel that? Do you know there's no guarantee that the next one will come? We take it for granted. There's no guarantee, and it's going there it goes no guarantee God keeps them going can you feel when you breathe in those are numbered I've just breathed once you want to hold your breath now? there's one breath closer to when it's going to stop every breath is mercy every pulse his mercy is him letting us breathe he put us together he made us and we are alive just by his mercy and his will and we think we can do so many things and we have all these plans and we can't even breathe on our own we need him our hearts can't even beat by itself and in his mercy he lets us sin. In his mercy, he lets us walk away from him, slander him, hurt other people, crucify him, torture him. In his mercy, he allows that. I don't know when I said it, but Jesus was never, ever a victim. He laid his life down. He says, no one takes my life. I lay it down. He chooses to let us live. He chooses to let us abuse him. He chooses, uh, chooses to let us say no thank you or just no and walk away. And he has all these characteristics that we've just spoken about and so many more, so many more. I think it's written somewhere that if all the things Jesus did had to be written down, there wouldn't be enough books, right? Maybe with the internet now it can be fixed. But You know, I'm being silly. But he is so big, and we turn away from him. He is so beautiful. We're going to respond again in worship, just to adore him, just to give thanks to him. In John 14, verse six, verse 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the, to the Father except through me. He lets us live. He lets us breathe. He lets us make our own choices, which is why things go bad in this world. That's why bad things happen. He's the only way. So if you have taken that for granted or think you deserve more, in this worship time, just make right with Him. Just by yourself. It's between you and Him. If you hear, but, and you've never really said, okay, Lord, Lord, This life that you gave me, I want to give back to you. You've given it to me. You've given me control over it. You've given me free will to mess it up, to run away, or to come to you. And I want to come to you. You can do that tonight. If you're not certain that you've done that, tonight you can do that. No problem. No barrier. Nothing. I think we've established that the Lord is here. And He wants us. He's done all this because He wants us. And as we read, He's slow to anger he's full of forgiveness whatever it is that you've done or that you're worried about he's forgiven you just bring it to him just bring it you can't handle it he can handle it just bring it to him yeah he knows it already nothing shocks him he even knows how's this he even knows the bad things we're still going to do and he's still there going i love you i've died for you so we're going to be going back into worship. And it's an opportunity for you to do business with the Lord. Be, just be thankful again, to lay things down, to come to Him completely. And can I ask that the leaders will be in front here. If, if you are here and you do feel this is the very first time that you're doing that, just come and tell us, just come and talk to us, either during this time or just afterwards, okay? Because we would love to pray with you and talk to you about it. Is that okay, Anton? You guys.